0: All revolutions gone by have had a certain glass ceiling to them. The agricultural revolution was limited by finite land, water, seed and labour. The industrial revolution had a limit to the amount of fuel and materials it could consume. But the digital revolution, however, seems to have a truly limitless potential. A world where there is genuine abundance. And what we think is advanced tech today will feel archaic tomorrow. I mean, it was only 13 years ago Steve Jobs gave us one more thing with the iPhone and we already consider its features to be a little ho-hum compared to the last model. In terms of the digital revolution and the question, are we there yet? It's only the start of the start. The experience we have on our screens today is not how we'll experience things tomorrow. Now we can put invisible tech to work with just our voices, can't we Siri? But next, all we'll need is just our thoughts. Right now around the world, there are some smart people with deep pockets trying to give us the next big breakthrough, which promises to change how we live forever. In this episode of Future Sandwich, we explore how science is connecting our brain to our computer, and we met all the players in what they call Brain Connected Interface, or BCI, ranging from the great Elon Musk.
1: In a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. In the future, you'll be able to save and replay memories and ultimately you could potentially download them into a new body or into a robot body. The future's gonna be weird. Through
0: to an exclusive interview with 18-year-old prodigy Alex Pinkerton from Austin, Texas. So you're willing to be the company's guinea pig?
2: Yeah, sure, why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And importantly, we look at if these visions are realized, what the possibilities are from healing disabilities to super intelligence, mental telepathy, to even immortality. It's worth sticking around for. My name is Tommy McCubbin and this is Future Sandwich episode 24, Brainware, where our thoughts are our computer's command. Part one, the players. Now we've been capturing digital bits directly from our brains for decades, but BCI is on the cusp of a monumental breakthrough. It's set to truly merge robotics and biology, dry code and wet code, operating systems with our organs which promises to transform our species into a genuine cyborg race. Let's start with Elon Musk, who just last week shared an update, quote, We've already got like a monkey with a wireless implant in their skull and the tiny wires, who can play video games using his mind. And he looks totally happy. He does not look like an unhappy monkey, end quote. So thanks, Elon. We all know monkeys prefer playing Pong in a lab than swinging on a tree in the jungle. This is an exciting update, although I'm not sure a monkey would be any good at Pong but it's important we go back and see how Neuralink has reached this milestone. Now, Musk first burst onto the scene a couple of years ago with a presentation which woke us up to the rapid progress and potential of his team at Neuralink. Now look, best pour a cup of patience because Elon, with all his genius, presents like a nervous intern in front of the company board. Here we go.
1: All right, welcome to the Neuralink product demo. I'm really excited to show you what we've got. I think it's going to your mind. Um, so, I want to emphasize the the purpose of Neuralink. Like, uh, what do we? What's our goal? Our goal is to solve important spine and brain problems with a seamlessly seamlessly implanted implant device. So, you want to have a device that you can basically uh, put in your head um, and feel and look totally normal, uh, but it solves uh, some some important problem um, in your brain or spine. So, we've simplified this to. Simply something that is about the size of a large coin, and it it goes in your skull, replaces a piece of skull, um, and the wires uh, uh, then then connect uh, within a few centimeters or about an inch away from the device. I mean, frankly, to, to sort of simplify this, uh, what what we're <laughs> I mean, it's more complicated than this, but it's in a lot of ways it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. Our current prototype, version 0.9, has about 1,000 channels. Uh, so that's you know, about 100 times better than the the next best um, uh, consumer device that's available. And it's a 23 millimeters by 8 millimeters. It actually uh, fits quite nicely in your skull. Because your skull is about 10 millimeters thick. So uh, it fits, it's, it goes flush with your skull, it's invisible, and all you can see afterwards is that there's a tiny scar. And if it's under your hair, you can't see it at all. In fact, I could have a Neuralink right now and you wouldn't know. Anyway, so it's also inductively charged. So um, it's charged in the same way that you, char- you charge a smartwatch or a phone. Um, and so you can use it all day, uh, charge it at night and have full functionality.
0: Now, I'm not exactly lining up for this Elon, but out of curiosity, how do we implant the hardware and actually connect this chip to our brain?
1: So you want the surgery to be as, as automated uh, and, and as possible, and the only way you can achieve the level of precision that's needed is with an advanced robot. Uh, the link procedure, the, the installation of a link, done in under an hour. Um, so you can basically go in in the morning and leave the hospital in the afternoon. And it can be done without general anesthesia. And the big question, how much will it cost? I- inclusive of the automated surgery, I think we want to get the, 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 the price down to a few thousand dollars. So a robot surgeon will just drill a hole in my skull, connect wires to my brain tissue,
0: and I'll be back at my desk by lunch. Elon went on to give us a demonstration with Gertrude the pig. He showed footage of the guinea pig pig eating food off his lab's floor.
1: So the the beeps you're hearing are real-time signals from the neural link in Gertrude's head. So this neural link connects to neurons that are uh, in her snout. So whenever she snuffles around and touches something with a snout that sends out uh, neural spikes, which are detected. Uh, she's had the implant for two months. So this is a healthy and happy pig with an implant that is two, month old, two months old and working well. Yeah. So how does this technology fix something as destructive as a spinal injury in people? If you can, if you can sense what somebody's trying to do with their limbs, what they want to do with their limbs... Um, then you can actually uh, uh, do a second implant that's at the base of the spine or or wherever just after wherever the spinal injury occurred and you can you can create a neural shunt Uh, so we i I think long term i'm confident that long term uh, it will be possible to restore somebody's full body motion and it looks like it's becoming a reality
0: Elon and the Neuralink team have just been given FDA approval to begin clinical trials on humans.
1: And it wouldn't be a presentation from Elon without getting a little bit weird. In the future, you'll be able to save and replay memories. Um, I mean, this is obviously sounding increasingly like a Black Mirror episode. Um, But, uh, well, I guess they're pretty good at predicting. Um, But, yeah, essentially, if if you have a whole RAIN interface, everything that's encoded in memory, you could... uh, You could upload, you could basically store your memories um, as a backup and restore the memories. Um, And ultimately, you could potentially download them into a new body or into a robot body. The future is going to be weird. Now,
0: going up against Elon in any business venture is intimidating, and the chips are already stacked against you before you start. But there are some ambitious and well-funded innovators having a crack. And all are focused on the same goal of brain-computer interface, but via different processes, most of which, thankfully, don't require drilling in our skulls. Someone working very hard is America's official brain-computer interface prodigy, Alex Pinkerton, CEO of Brain Interface, who two years ago won the South by Southwest Innovation Award for his development on using graphene instead of drills and wires. And wait for it, he hasn't even graduated from school yet. So you're coming live from Austin, huh?
2: Yeah. uh, COVID's pretty bad here, so not a lot happening. But uh, yeah, Austin, Texas.
0: So this is a really fascinating story. So how old are you?
2: I'm 18. Just turned 18, actually.
0: And so you're finishing school in 2021.
2: And you've already been working on this concept for two years let's see, I guess it would be more like three years now. Uh, I started in probably midway through uh, freshman year. And so
0: what are you and your company working towards? What's sort of the, the problem that you think this technology you can specifically solve?
2: Um, so I guess what our goal really is, is to uh, create a brain interface that has that same sensitivity as those MEG or EEG systems, but uh, is able to be I guess compacted into an earbud or a cap. We're not really, we haven't landed on a uh, a device that uh, we think will fit uh, ideally. But uh, yeah, we just basically want to uh, simplify it into a uh, non-invasive mass market friendly uh, uh, device that uh, people can use just, you know, without the uh, requirement of brain surgery, which is a big hurdle to get over for uh, most people, I imagine.
0: And how how far away do you think you are from having a working prototype?
2: As I see it now, we probably need uh, another year or so to complete that final graphene prototype. And then uh, at that time, we would probably be uh, open to funding and probably expand our team. And then it would probably take another two, three years in order to have a uh, fully working product.
0: Where where do you set your sights on uh, uh,
2: achieving success? Um, well, I guess there's a variety of applications, um, but yeah, like you mentioned, medical applications are certainly uh, ones that we're thinking of implementing initially, and that's what, you know, Musk is doing with Neuralink as well, um, but uh, where our project comes in really is in the, uh, suppose, entertainment aspect of it, being able to, you know, connect to a device, computer or your iPhone, and just be able to easily uh, browse or, or interface with the UI. Um, and then uh, there's also the application of, you know, fully immersive virtual reality. Uh, that's something that I'm especially interested in just outside of the medical and, and, and uh, well, basically medical and, and, and other applications that our brain computer interface would have. But, uh, but yeah, that side of me is, uh, I guess, I play a lot of video games, so that's especially, yeah, uh, enticing.
0: So talk us through what that experience would be like if you can – hit sort of the, the achieve the vision for your technology from a gaming point of view.
2: For example, I guess in a video game and you basically just control a character, um, with a mouse and keyboard, for example. Um, but with a you know f- fully immersive virtual reality, reality that would be, uh, accessible with a brain computer interface like ours. Um, it would just be sort of a, vi- a more visceral experience. Um, and then there's also the possibility of sort of being able to, uh, almost create your own worlds outside of just a set path that a team of developers would look like you go on like it is now. And you can just sort of let your creativity run loose and be uh, fully immersed in that, uh, that environment.
0: And are you personally the guinea pig? Are you, are you putting the, the graphene on your head and things?
2: We're not at that point yet, but I'm sure that I'll be tested on when we eventually, when we eventually reach that.
0: So you're willing to be the company's guinea
2: pig? Yeah, sure, why not? Hats off to Alex.
0: At age 18, the brain interfacing I was doing was much, much less sophisticated than that. MIT, the famous Technology Institute of Massachusetts, is prototyping a piece of gear they call the Alter Ego device, which wraps around your jawbone. Now, initial demos show it's possible to think keywords and phrases, which then get Siri-like responses. And a company called Control Labs was recently acquired by the Death Star itself, Facebook. For somewhere in the ballpark of $500 million to a billion dollars. Now it sends chills down my spine just thinking about the Zuck having access to my thoughts. Look, Darth Vader jokes aside, they are cooking up some big ambitions.
2: So what if you could type directly from your brain? It sounds impossible, but it's closer than you may realize. And it's just the kind of fluid human-computer interface needed for AR. Even something as simple as a yes, no brain click would fundamentally change our capability. We have a goal of creating a system capable of typing 100 words per minute, five times faster than you can type on your smartphone, straight from your brain.
0: And this keynote, all of which can be found on the website, by the way, they boast a demo of a Facebook staff member typing words just by thinking the letters. Now, my hunch is Control Labs products will be about as well-received as Facebook Libra. After the mess they've helped create in society, there is no way they're getting the keys to my brain. Part two, the possibilities. So I'm pleased you've stuck around for this because this is the part of the show that talks about the actual use cases for BCIs. And there are life-changing benefits, also wrapped in major ethical dilemmas and philosophical conundrums, such as the inevitable scenario of the haves and have-nots. BCIs would only be available to the wealthy, privileged few, so immediately we have a split population where the already huge divide is widened further. Now we can assume the haves and have-nots issue is unavoidable, given that is how industrial and digital technology has been accessed and distributed since the beginning of time. But the upside for pushing the tech is definitely there, and so I've taken the liberty to put them into three buckets. One, fixing disability. Two, giving us superpowers. And things get weird in number three digital, transcendence, and immortality. Let's start with the easy one BCI is used to heal disabilities. A huge focus of the research and development is fixing disabilities from the intellectual in Alzheimer's and depression through to the physical in nervous system and spinal injuries. If all of the billions invested in innovating in this technology only save a handful of people, it'll be worthwhile. Number two is superpowers. And I mean literal superpowers. Super connectivity. Imagine being able to think, a question and instantly seeing the answer in your thoughts. I can't help but think of this classic scene from The Matrix where Trinity and Neo stare at the helicopter for a possible escape off the sieged rooftop. Can you fly that thing?
2: Not yet. Operator. Tank, I need a pilot program for a B-212 helicopter. Hurry.
0: Let's go. Not only could we possibly know our way around a helicopter cockpit, but we could ping messages in real time back and forth with just a thought. Proper telepathy. This would be a goldmine for hackers, who could help read our minds when we're at the ATM, for example. Then, immersive gaming, the vision that Alex Pinkerton mentioned in our chat, where we can dial up the immersion, both physically and emotionally, in virtual worlds we would fill moments in games with hair-raising reality, triggering real adrenaline and dopamine hits as strong as the real thing. Have a photo memory won't just be a figure of speech either. we will be able to literally capture a digital image of what our retina sees and our ears hear with a blink of an eye. Memories will be uploaded to our cloud and shared with anyone. And if that's possible, every spark in our brain will be a stored data point. Which brings us on to number three, transcendence. So, bear with me here. If our feelings and thoughts will be converted into data, theoretically, we can recreate digital clones of ourselves, or more accurately, our minds, and then we can start pushing the limits of our mortality. If we can store our thoughts, feelings and actions as digital bits, theoretically, we could create an algorithm that recognises the thought patterns that make us unique and could predict our future behaviour and go on producing them in a digital form of us after we die. Then, for example, these clones can travel light years in search of alien life and then engage with aliens in a way that mimic humans. And we save ourselves the physical toll and life-threatening journeys in the process. And if we ever needed to get our Matthew McConaughey on and travel interstellar, we could go, again, theoretically, sending a digital version of ourselves that would avoid the risks of getting stretched out like spaghetti as we travel through black holes. Now, like all tech, there are good uses and bad uses and this is totally relevant for BCIs. The good are mind-bending, and I'm excited about them, but there'll be times where it goes off the tracks, and when it does, let's hope we can swing it back in the name of the good. What do you think about the future possibilities of BCIs? Email me with your thoughts, tommy at futuresandwich.com. This has been another episode of Future Sandwich. Big thanks to Alex Pinkerton for the interview. You can catch the whole Zoom call on the Future Sandwich YouTube channel. All of the snippets from Elon, etc. are available in the show notes on the website of futuresandwich.com. And of course, thanks to Maddie Thompson for editing this like a boss. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on the socials. It's all available on the .com. We're always keen to get your feedback on ideas for the show. Also, check out the new tech and innovation news show, The Tech Files, on the YouTube channel. We cover all the latest stories, IPOs, M&As, cap raises you need to know about. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again in the not-too-distant future.